Thanks for joining us for the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. You're listening to episode 57, and I'm your host, Susie Botello. We asked C.K. Golden to come to San Diego to share his film 61 Hugs with our film festival as a special speaker to include a Q&A session along with his film. Now, the thing is that 61 Hugs has been going viral, but not as a video in itself. It's basically a story about C.K. who describes himself as an overthinker going out on the streets to meet a challenge head on. His challenge was to hug 61 strangers as he recorded it with his smartphone. Now, a lot of people who attended our film festival went on to share the video on social media, but not because they met C.K. in person, but because they wanted to share the experience of the film with everyone. So we asked C.K. on his last day before flying out of San Diego what his experience was like in our film festival. And of course, we took the conversation further into mobile filmmaking and what he does on a regular basis, which is something which may inspire you to share your stories and challenges using your smartphone camera. So let's go and let's talk to C.K. now. Hey everybody, welcome to the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. I am here at the San Diego City Library <laughs> with our uh, VIP speaker from the International Mobile Film Festival. Today's um, Wednesday, right? Yes. Today is yes. Wednesday, the it's 30th of What April. we call hump day, the middle yeah, day. Yeah, same. Um, and uh, CK came out from uh, UK with his film 61 Hugs, and he presented that and had his first US screening of that. And we're here to talk with CK about, um, you know, his film, which he shot with, uh, with a Samsung S9? S6. S6. Yes. Yeah, my four year old baby. Right. Um, it's pretty much gone viral. Uh, and um, I'm going to go ahead and let CK speak now a little bit about who CK is and the film. Thank you, Susie. This is my last day in SD and I'm starting to feel a little bit teary because it's been an absolute joy the last seven days. And I am now seven hours away from my flight. So this is going to be this is going to be my parting gift or maybe your parting gift having me on. I enjoy it. I'm, I'm loving podcasting. This is the second one I'm doing. I've done while I'm here. And yeah, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. And Thank you for inviting me over to share the film with your wonderful audience and the International Mobile Film Festival community. And yeah, it was a joy. It was very well received too. Everyone was moved by it. It really was well received. And, you know, if I was to draw a distinction between US audiences and UK audiences, because I have been in the room on a handful of occasions when the film has been screened. Not many, definitely under 10. And if I was to draw a distinction between US audiences and UK audiences, I would say that the zealousness of your laughter was a little bit stronger. <laughs> I mean, UK audiences laugh their little ho- laugh their little socks off during that film. And by the way, for anybody listening to this, isn't it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's not a comedy. But it certainly has some moments of joy and, and elation and humanity and surprises which just make you think wow and make your heart sing and make you want to laugh and make you want to embrace life is that fair to say yeah so because of i mean you and i were discussing why people why i i don't was it you i was discussing why people laugh it's like a sense of relief it was maybe mm-hmm. you and aaron i've got i've got holiday head i've got a holiday head right now i've got his head. <laughs> we've talked so much about so many different things i'm sure you've <laughs> had the same discussions with other people yeah we have discussed so much but yeah and you know yeah you, you, it was just from start to finish, and I keep being surprised by how much humor people find in that short film. But I would say you guys over here, our U.S. cousins, have found more humor than anybody anywhere else. And um, the manner in which you displayed that was hearty, to say the least, from start to finish. Right. It was a joy to be in that room. 
And the questions, were the questions a little different from the audience during your Q&A? N- no. Uh, were the questions different to the ones I received in the UK? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm generally... I generally find that the questions explore similar similar ideas, as in, at what point did the challenge, at what point did your f- nerves and your fears dissipate? We've not even discussed what the film's about. Yeah, Should we just, just assume knowledge? You're reading my mind. <laughs> we just We're assume? so connected right now. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but I totally forgot to, to tell you to ask you to do that yeah sure so 61 hugs is an unscripted short docu film stroke vlog diary style production and by unscripted i mean all of my content is fundamentally unscripted as in it's not like a narrative piece with a script i thrive on challenges and human endeavor and exploration so i'll have an idea and i'll go out onto the streets and live it out and this was the first projects of this nature that was given to me by an outside source usually the ideas just come to me and I go okay I'm gonna do that but in this instance I was challenged by an outside source to leave my house and ask the first 61 people I saw for a hug and that whole experience was documented it was self-filmed by me and my Samsung S6 and the entire process took me an hour from start to finish but the documentary itself is 23 minutes and yeah, so during Q and A's after people have watched this film, I'm often asked because apparently, and this is some, apparently you can actually you can you can either agree or disagree with this one, Susie. Apparently, my nerves are very palpable. You can see them. I don't know, like because mm. I just see my face and we see different things in people's faces. I don't know if you could see nerves as, as the, in the opening scenes when I'm sitting in my kitchen. I mean, well, yeah, I mean there is a position that you're sitting in. You know, I'm not sure if it's nerves or it's just your the Anxious thinking energy. the thinking position. You know, the thinking mm. man. You know, with mm. his head down and his hand. You know, that kind of sure. a thing. Posture. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. To answer your question, no, the Q and A wasn't that different. Yeah. Well, that's question. that's interesting because you know they reacted a little different. They, we laughed more apparently, or maybe at different things. I'm not sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. Um. And obviously, the reason why I invited uh, CK to come and present his film and do the Q&A at our film festival um, is because he shot his film with a phone. But also because, you know, we have rules on our film festival for for competition. And, um, you know, I will ask filmmakers to cut it short to fit within, you know, within the guidelines, within the rules and um, criteria, whatever you want to call it. But I couldn't say that to um, to CK because there are 61 hugs and he's documenting each one of those 61. And sometimes they come in groups, you know, which it, it means like there's not 61 minutes, uh, basically, um, which is great. <laughs> you know, a minute per hug, um, <laughs> like a minute per mile or something. Um, but he came... And I really felt that it was going to be a very inspiring story for mobile filmmaking because everyone's got a phone in their pocket. Would you like to elaborate a little bit on that? On what? On why, <laughs> why this is such an important... I mean, it, a film like this is such a great example of what you can do with your phone uh, as a camera, as a, as a filmmaker, video maker, vlogger. Well, here's the thing. I think it's more critical if you create the kind of content I do, which isn't narrative-led. As in, you know, mine's very spontaneous. I I thrive on capturing spontaneous interactions with people and and capturing spontaneous situations. Now, that is perfectly aligned. I I don't think, okay, if you make narrative pieces, I Mm -hmm. don't think a mobile phone is critical to do that. But if you do pieces which are based on spontaneity in the universe and just, oh my, something amazing is happening here. Mobile phones are almost a necessity yeah, because it's there. It's in your pocket. It's, it's just there. And people aren't afraid of it. Correct. That was going to be my exact point is people just don't care. And I've, you know, I've often thought you know, it'd be easy for me to sit here and say, every time I do these challenges they work out so well because i'm ck and i'm this guy who people find you know easy to be in his presence and all that business and all that stuff might be true but to be brutally honest i think a healthy healthy proportion of the reason that these things are often successful is because people just don't feel intimidated by phone because everybody's used to one in 
in contrast, perhaps, to if I was to just suddenly whip out a DSLR <laughs> yeah. or a RED or whatever, and right. suddenly, suddenly people feel performance mode. Right. It's true. It's true. It's like a big deal. Big it is camera, a big deal. Big deal. Because, and this is what I always say. This is. It's like, I, I don't know what would happen if I produce my things on a bigger on a bigger scale thing. But it's just so, it's just so unassuming a mobile phone. And like I said, everybody has one. Everybody knows what a mobile phone looks yeah. like. You pick out. You pull out a DSLR or something bigger. Like first, the first thing they're wondering is what the hell is. That? <laughs> the first well, thing, because yeah, right. for the most part, not everybody has one. Yeah. Um, so I just think when you produce my kind of content. And I do know I'm in something of a minority that, you know, that isn't producing narrative pieces, et cetera. I just think it's an absolute given and an absolute necessity. Yeah. And you never know. That's the other, the spontane- spontaneity mm-hmm. <laughs> of the moment, yeah. you know, where you're going about through life, you know, like we all do. But we always have the phone with us and something comes up. I mean, we see it on the news all the time. You know what I'm saying? With just things that happen, events that happen. But there is also the the inner self that has a perspective you know people can walk by for example there was a a dog on the boardwalk Mm -hmm. yesterday right (laughs) and everybody's just walking by the dog but Mm -hmm. you you that that dog called out to you somehow Mm -hmm. so you have to stop and then when you ask the guy if you could record the dog he was okay with it Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that is on the mild end of the scale of what I capture with my phone. On the op- complete opposite end of the scale, however, is what happened the day after I was I was here. The next day after I landed, and there's no way this could have been possible if I wasn't so in tune to just pulling out my phone and just cracking on. It's, it's just yeah. like an automatic, res- it's just like a reflex to me now. And I was at the bus stop, waiting for the bus to take me down to Old Town, and... A guy came came over and he said, have you been waiting long? And I said, no, two minutes. There's one due in five minutes. And then suddenly he said, what's your problem? But he wasn't talking to me. He was talking to a guy who just drove past him in his pickup who oh. apparently was staring at him. And the guy that was at the bus stop said, I'm so sick of people in this um, state. San Diego's a state, right? Is it um, city. City, maybe? okay. I'm so, uh, I That's get okay. it all the time. I'm just so sick of people staring at me and it's happening more since my hair's grown long, which is just a random thing to drop on someone you don't know. But I'm mm. thinking, oh, okay. Uh, was he really staring at your buddy? And he said, yes, he was staring at me and I just hate it. It's one of my least favorite things in the world. And I said, okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Then the conversation is Karen. I said, I'm always, a, I'm always trying to diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. So I just said, by the way, great shirt, buddy, because he had this like check shirt. It's quite cool. And he went, oh, this came from the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon. Anyway, so as the conversation progressed, we got on the bus and then we just started having a conversation because he thinks he, he's got a lot of um, conspiracy theories about the US and certain things. He is from the US, by the way. Yeah. Born and bred in America. And as the, as the conversation progressed, we got off the bus at the same place by complete coincidence. And I asked him why he's no longer serving for the military, which he was doing. And he was almost he was almost a SEAL, as he was telling me. And all of a sudden, he just told me, look, um, there's certain things in my background that have, that have happened. And one of the things that happened is that when he was 11, he, I don't even know how, how deep you want to go into this. When he, when he was 11, Susie, he killed a boy that was 13. Oh. Um, and he was being bullied by this boy. And so this is the story he gave me. I can only relay go that, by, right. whether or not it's, I can only relay what he was given to me. Yeah. At 11, he was bullied by a boy that was 13. And it got to the point when he couldn't take it anymore because the, the guy's called Matthew, by the way. He's totally happy with that. He was called Matthew and he said, you know, I've just had a lot of garbage in my life. I had a really difficult background. This kid had been bullying me forever and for ages and kind of it just reached a point when he just came at me and I just kind of smashed his head against the wall. I don't know. It's, I don't, and, it's, and he's telling me all this and he's saying that the judge said to me, look, I know what's happened in your background because I've got the proof. Your, your people have told me, I've done my research. You have two choices. You can either go to prison because there's no dispute over if you kill mm-hmm. me. You can either go to prison or you can serve for the US. This is just going off a bizarre tangent but what i'm saying to you susie is that the minute we started talking and i said this was even before he told me about his past i said look i'm finding our talk really interesting do you mind if i record this and he's like please do email me when you're finished as well and he's like wow. and he's just and he's just telling me all this stuff and at random moments he's just turning to the camera and saying i really like this guy he's just looking at me and i really like this guy i don't know what you are but i like this guy and people do that all the time so he's just telling me all this stuff i've got my camera and i'm just i can't believe i've got this kind of stuff on my phone i'm like i need to get back to the uk and edit this um but imagine if you were a filmmaker who doesn't even consider the power of his phone you'd be thinking oh i'd love to capture this guy i wish i had my dslr and you hang on a minute you have it's in your pocket dude 
or, exactly. or, or Eastbud or, or whatever. Or even if you go on the mentality that I want to make a documentary about something, like, so I need to interview people with this. Well, you you may be standing next to someone on a bus station that has the story mm. already. And, you know, something that happens, I don't know if you know this or not, but something that happens in documentaries, I'm sure some of our listeners can can relate to this. Um, a documentary starts out with a premise, you know, in a way, and then it in the middle of it or some at some point as they start documenting things, the story changes. Mm-hmm. And a good documentary filmmaker will allow that to happen. It won't he won't Be or she you know, stick yeah. to their guns on it. They'll go with that side story. And you know, we, we aimed to do a story, a documentary on this, mm. but then this happened and we found out about this and we started following that trail and it turned into something better. Mm. You know, so another story that was more potent that, you know, for people to listen to. So, um, so yeah, so you, one, to, to give a filmmaker um, some advice on doing this kind of filmmaking, mm. right? Mm. Um, basically, they would have to have some confidence to be able to just, because, Filmmakers, for the most part, they go somewhere, it's all set up, they've got their location, they've got their script, mm. you know, and everything is set up. They don't just do these things spontaneously. I mean, they may capture some things, some may be more willing, but to do a story, you know, where they're documenting spontaneous moments mm. like this, mm. um, what would your advice be to them to, to help them get to the level where you are, uh, where they can just feel comfortable just pulling out hey do you mind if i record this especially with something like what you just shared the one word that came to me as you were saying all of that it was a simple five letter word and it's the only word i'm going to share it's the word i'm going to share with you now because it's the only it was screaming loud and it was trust and when i say trust i don't even necessarily mean trust whoever you're talking to i mean just trusting the universe um now that might sound like an odd thing to say but if we take the example of 61 hugs for example if we just start with the opening prep, because the thing with 61 Hugs is as I progressed through that process, the universe brought me these incredibly unlikely situations, Yeah. right? Yeah. And there, w- there would be no way I could have foreseen any of that happening. Now, although I couldn't have foreseen any of those individual things happening, I foresaw that something I didn't anticipate would happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I always trust the system as in, okay, so CK, you've got this idea that you're going to leave your house and you're going to ask the first 61 people for a hug. Now, I didn't think for a second that it was going to be as simple as, okay, well, they're either going to say yes or no. I knew something was going to happen because I just know that that's just my way. Something right. always does right right so as long as i trust that something unexpected is going to happen i don't know what it is but that's part of the joy right, right. finding out but i have an unflinching belief anytime i set out on one of my challenges something remarkable is going to happen my job is to go and find out what that is and be ready for it recognize it correct yeah. and like you know i think as long as you have that expectation then the universe will be like oh god so we need to give him something because he's expecting I know that sounds yeah. a little bit too some people listening to that thinking that's just weird but there's going to be some people listening to me saying yeah well that's called that's called that's called expectation that's called attraction that's called vibration call it what you want could be all of them but every time I've done it that exact same thing has happened and I came here with um with my phone and just this little crappy Canon thing. Um, and I, because I knew that something was going to happen while I was, yeah, I 100% got on a plane here thinking, okay, I've got two days of the festival and I've got five days to fill. Right. Now you bet your ass that something is going to, something remarkable is going to happen in those five days, but I had no idea. And I, I mean, oh yeah. Cause I got on a plane and imagined I was going to speak to someone that killed someone when he was 11. Right. You know, Exactly. No, but I 100% knew that something was going to happen as long as I was ready for it. And I think that's the essence of documentary making, isn't it? As you mm-hmm. said, you've got your premise. Okay, so see, I'm going to make a holiday vlog, <laughs> but it's not <laughs> going to be me surfing, I can tell you that. And it turned out it was th- it was this guy and it was the people at the hostel. I've told you this situation earlier on about um, right. t- a guy just coming up to me randomly at the hostel I've never seen before and saying, can I have a hug? I've seen your film. I'm like, well, how the hell did that happen then? Because <laughs> I've never seen you in my <laughs> it was, you know, um, and that's why I said it was a moving film because it mm. moves people to do something. It has like a call of action and that touches them. And this guy said, because this is the thing, this is, this speaks to exactly what I was saying. I was recording on my phone at the moment at the time because I was speaking to this, these group of people yeah. and this guy just came out of left field 
And he just came out to me and said, can I have a hug? And I've said this to you before. Like if nowadays, if somebody comes up to me and says, can I have a hug? I know there's a high probability they've seen my film. It's, this is me in the UK whenever somebody says that. Yeah. But there's no reason anybody should be coming up to me in the US and saying that because <laughs> I'm a nobody here. As For the most part, I'm in the UK. But there's no reason right. anybody should be coming up to me in the US and saying that. None whatsoever. It's true. So when he said that, um, I just assumed somehow there was a connection. And it turned out that a guy I was speaking to six hours earlier who said he was going to watch it, he's best friends with him and they watched it together. Now, the thing is, this guy then said to me, I just wish I watched this film when I was a teenager. And I said, what do you mean? And he went, well, because I'm gay. I came out when I was 13. And that moment when those two kids came up to you on the bikes and they were so open and responsive and receptive to it, and then the kids later on who said, I'm not here for a long time, I'm here for a good time, I don't recognise those kids from my teens, but I wish they were there because that kind of humanity and that kind of liberal thinking that they're willing to just hug a random dude on the street i can guarantee ck when i was 13 that wouldn't have happened now possibly yeah but i just wish i'd have seen this film when i was younger because it would have probably just made me feel it would have made me feel a certain warmth to the universe that i didn't have because i was scared i was scared of coming out i was scared of being gay it's like all this is on my i still have to go home and edit all this awesome i have to go home and edit all this i mean not awesome that these things happen to people yeah obviously yeah but it's awesome that they're willing to share that with you in front of a camera. That that is a phone. Yeah, you know. And and for the filmmakers, the mobile filmmakers, they say, you know, to actors when they go to actors with the phone, um, you know, that especially children that are acting, they don't they don't have a, a, you know, it just makes them feel more comfortable and more intimate with the character and the story and and things like that um, with the space. I also think I agree. I also think now what I'm seeing, I think I think everybody fundamentally wants to tell their story. And when I say, I mean everybody, mm-hmm. I don't mean filmmakers. I mean just the dude who told me he came out at 13, yeah. who has no interest in filmmaking, he, but he still wants to tell his truth, right? Mm-hmm. Same with the guy that, same with the 11-year-old who had, you know, he's now a grown man, but him, he want, he clearly wanted to say his piece. And I think everybody wants to say their piece. And it's, they just happen that it's almost like I... T- it's I, therapeutic. It is. Um, I think so. In documentary, when you're um, documentary filmmakers, mm. right, um, when they speak with victims, you know, to, to, to share a story and they're talking to the victims or even the perpetrator or whatever it could be, right, they they know, you know, like let's say they, they put out a call. We want to meet people who've been raped, for example. I know. Um, people who've been raped. Yeah. And uh, they say, you know, talk to us or come over here. We're going to interview everybody one day or whatever, however they decide to do that. Mm-hmm. They get a lot of people to come, yeah. which is really weird, you know, because you would think it would be hard to find people who want to do that. You know, to okay. go and, and do that. And they break down. Some people think it's okay. They break down. They, they, they express themselves. They cry yeah. because they're letting something out to somebody who's listening to them. As soon as you put it, and it doesn't matter if it's a phone or a regular camera, but the fact that you're recording, you're interested. You wouldn't push that button to hit record if you're not interesting. You mm. want to make sure... With other cameras, you want to make sure the microphone is on, you know, things like that. So they're getting that kind of attention. And they may not feel like they like their story mattered up until that moment before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very therapeutic. And then to actually tell it, not like, I think we did this in our last podcast where I was telling you a little bit about how people um, talk. And once they they talk about whatever is really deep inside them, they feel like, they're able to release it. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and so I think that's probably part of what's happening. You're a trusting person. They trust you. Mm. Um, they trust that device because it's so familiar to them. And they're willing to just go ahead and spill their guts out, basically. And they walk away probably feeling pretty good compared to how they felt before. Perhaps. Even if you don't. Sure. Even if you don't use it. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So what tips would you say to somebody? Let's say they've got their stories out there. Would you advise people to put it out in pieces or to just create 
one full edited piece or or um, what is the best way for for this kind of a format? What do you mean specifically? Do you mean like my unscripted spontaneous content or do you mean generally making content on your phone? Mm-hmm. Like, generally, like should they just accumulate a series of mm-hmm. moments in, in recordings like that and then edit it into one piece or would you advise maybe that they they do a series or a channel oh, with a p- specific bits? Or? I, 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 I wholeheartedly think that's down to personal preference. Yeah, I know that's that might seem like something of a cop out, but I, I think that's a personal preference in so much as how they wish to distribute it. Whether it's going to be a series of one-offs, whether it's going to be like a series with a similar theme, that's, that's what would your preference, preference be? I don't have one. That's why you'll notice yeah. that if you go onto my YouTube <laughs> channel, there's, there is no preference. Like there's a there's a kind of ongoing series called Something About Strangers, which I think there's like 17 episodes now, oh. which documents my encounters, random encounters with people. I mean, we're in a library right now, and one of the most popular ones was when I was in a library in London, and I started, um, a drunk guy just walked in, and he started singing um, Frank Sinatra My Way at the top of his voice. Yeah. You just gave a knowing look there. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. You have seen it? Yeah. Wow, okay. I didn't know that. You're a celebrity know. with me. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I didn't know that. But th- he, c- he comes in and, you know, once again, I just whipped out my phone and found out his story. And um, so that was one episode of Something About Strangers. Then there's another one where I was in a bar and two guys said, I'd like to give you 50K because we like what you, we, we like something about your energy. We'd like to sponsor you. That was weird. I mean, that didn't manifest. I didn't give that's, me the money. That's yet. pretty... That's incredible. That's an episode you've not seen, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, CK, CK offered 50K in bar if anybody's bored. Go on wow. to my YouTube channel. But yeah, so they, they, they are a series because I started to see correlations where, oh, it'd be nice to have a little series of this. But in terms of, it doesn't make any difference to my subscriber numbers or viewers. It's just something for me to catalogue things and have everything neatly in one place. Um, then there's, there's and indiv- then you don't know which one of those is the one that's really going to grab people and have it go viral, right? You never know. I mean, 60, incidentally, in the interest of full disclosure, mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite stories about 61 Hugs. You know this. You know 61 Hugs was never, ever meant to be a short film or a documentary. It was only ever meant to be another vlog, more specifically another episode within that Something About Stranger series. It was only ever going to be that. And I and I edited it in exactly the way, in the same way it is now. I edited it like that, even though looking back, I should have known it was a film because it looks like one. Right. Well, it was. It was. You were telling your story about how. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I edited it in the way it is now. I showed it to a friend, and he said, he, "He, the first person I showed it to, my friend Neil, and I owe him a lot. And I said this at the festival. He's one of the main reasons I was to at bring the him festival. Next year. I think so. <laughs> um, I showed it to my friend Neil, and he said, CK, you do know you've made a short film, don't you? And I said, What do you mean? And he went, This is unlike anything you've ever made. It's unlike, and, and he, you know, we all know that. See, we all know you can tell a story that's engaging and interesting. That's just what you do. But this is unlike anything you've ever done. And this isn't just a random YouTube video that you always do." Um, um, and that is that's how I characterize myself. He wasn't being disparaging. I think I just make random YouTube videos. And he's like, "This isn't a, this isn't this is not categorically a random CK video. You've made a short film. Moreover, you need to market it as such because if you market this as another YouTube video, nobody cares. You suddenly call this a short film, and suddenly you've got an audience. Oh, who's this kid making short films? <laughs> and it, and that's and true. and when he said it like that, I was like, oh. That makes sense. And then I looked at him and I'm like, oh, you have actually edited it like a short film. I, I just thought it was a vlog that looked a bit fancier than my other ones. <laughs> I just thought it was a vlog that looked fancier than the other ones. That's it. Yeah. Then he said that, oh, actually, no, it does look a bit filmic, actually. Um, and then I thought, okay, I, I trust Neil. I trust him. For him to say that to me, market, just mark, because he's very good at marketing. He works in the music industry, so he's very good. He gets it. I thought, okay, fine. So then I started sending it out to press as a as debut film by CK Golding. You know, I'm you know I, you know I do a PR for my day job, right? That's what yeah. I do. So I kind of well, know. our audience doesn't. Maybe. Excuse me, sorry guys. So filmmaking doesn't earn me a bean. Okay, <laughs> doesn't earn me a crust. So I'm a um, I have a content and marketing agency. It's just me, and I. I have clients whose profile, it's my job to elevate their profile within their within their business arena or the wider media scape as well. And so 
enable so to be able to do that you have to know how to cultivate a story around someone and when i say cultivate so i don't mean make things up because most people's biggest weakness is understanding what makes them interesting mm. and that's most people's biggest weakness so i'll have a consultation with a client for example um could be an entrepreneur and they'll not know what's interesting about them we'll have a full-day consultation i'll be like that is the most interesting thing i've ever heard on a human level right mm. so then we'll use that as their gateway in the press so this guy's done this this guy this gal has done this and then that serves as a gateway for people to discover their business i always say to people nobody cares about your business people care about human stories it's just anyway so i've always been good at cultivating a story or knowing what to lead with so i knew that well if i just led with ck golding makes debut short film who's done these crazy things in the past it's just probably going to develop traction so i marketed it as a short film and here i am seven months later in san diego with my first Mm -hmm. ever trip here but more critically it's a u.s premiere there's no way if you'd have said to me like seven months ago that you're you're going to go to san diego in seven months and you're going to screen it to a room of humans and they're going to love it so like several of them are going to cry they're going to come up to you afterwards and say i cried one of them's going to say see cow and i cast you in stuff <laughs> if, if, right. if someone big love to dave 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 peterson by the way um, steve 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 peterson steve, steve peterson. Pe- sorry forgive me steve peterson um who came over and said that who also shared it on his Facebook page. I would, I'd have just said, no, get out. as you guys would say, get out of here. <laughs> get out of <laughs> here. Get out of here. Um, I, 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 yes, I've forgotten what the question was. Well, it wasn't really so much a question. It was basically like how, you know, how to take something like that and how you make it mm. uh, go viral, basically. I guess okay. Is well, I, I've, maybe, I've, maybe, I've maybe alluded to a part of it in so much as, you know, figure out what about this is unique and kind of lead with that. Mm-hmm. Package it. And when I say package it, like there was very little pack. The, the only packaging I did was, first of all, call it a short film, not a vlog. I don't want I don't want anybody to be thinking I've done anything spectacular because really I haven't. All I've done is decide I'm not going to call it a vlog. I'm going to call it a short film. I'm going to and then when I'm reaching out to I, I did something called an inside out approach. My usual way when I create something is to kind of go for the big national press and pay, stuff like that. Oh yeah, that's my usual approach, and I call that the outside in. That's so on my home city will discover it after it's been a national thing. But yeah. for some reason, my gut was saying do this inside out. So make everybody in Sheffield, which for your listeners, is my home city. Make everybody in Sheffield sick of it yeah. so that once you start reaching out regionally and nationally, it's got traction. I don't know why I decided to do it that way. Well, but that it just makes felt, a lot of sense. It just felt right. Yeah. And I genuinely have no idea why it felt right, but that's the nature of your gut on the instinct. I can tell you Go on. my idea why I think that's right because generally on the outside, they look to see what that... Where's the, the traction? Inside, where's the, what, what's in the inside? Yeah. You know, why would I Care. touch that? Right. Yeah. If if it's just an empty shell. Sure. You know, if if there's content in the inside of it. Yeah. Like a jelly donut. Sure. So you mean if they <laughs> see know. traction from Sheffield and everybody talking about it, once you reach yeah, out, they kind yeah. of see that wave, and it's and, like, oh. and they would go online and put the hashtag sure. tag in there and see that there's content there, that yeah. there's people, you know, there's something there, and then they'll follow that lead, which yes. is what journalists do. So true. And that's exactly what I did. And then once I started accumulating local press in full, I mean, I'll, my, my local newspaper, which is the biggest newspaper in my city, did a full. <laughs> I remember reaching out to them expecting, oh, they might put something on their website. That'll be fine. I'd love that. Turned out they did right. a full page in print and online. <laughs> so that's awesome. a full page, not a section. I thought, right. wow, Jesus, that's weird. I mean, to be fair, the journalist, God love you, Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. She did say she loved it. Aww. But even after saying that, I thought she was just going to put it on the website. That's so cool. The minute I started accumulating the local press, I knew that gave me more influence once I was reaching out because at least I could say, as featured in Sheffield Star, as featured on BBC Radio Sheffield. You know, they got me on the breakfast show. I Very early on, I was getting some really bizarre, like, significant placements. But that was maybe testament to me focusing on the inside-out approach. Okay, let's make everyone in Sheffield sick of it now, which they might be getting then. <laughs> actually but okay. here i am on the outside in san diego right, right. And, and and so yeah I, that would be my advice to people just kind of get focus on making it move people as close to you as possible focus don't set your sights too wide set your yeah. sights local the person next door the person next door you know and then reach out to your local press and then use that traction to reach further out like a ripple effect but that is nothing and all of that is great but that is nothing and this is the thing i want to spend most time talking about susie because you and i've discussed this that is nothing if you're going to get in your own way and this is where artists often come unstuck and this is something that i think is so important i'm seeing it with greater frequency now is that three months before i released the film 
I watched I watched um, a f- I watched a film called The Founder, which is Michael Keaton um, documenting the genesis of McDonald's. I watched that because you told me to. Basically, oh. you you said, "Have you seen that yes. in one of our emails?" And or um, oh, before Skype calls yes. actually, and um, and I said no, I haven't, but it's on my list, on my Netflix list. It was on and it anyway. I, yeah, and so I I I finally, you know, that was the little push I needed. It's like okay, well, CK said to watch it, so I should watch it, and I did. I'm I'm delighted about that, and I mean. I'm delighted about that, and there's the reason I mentioned that. There's one scene. So, so Mike, so the, the, the founder is telling the story of how McDonald's became to be the global Burmoth that it is today, and it started off with one guy called Ray Kroc, who was a salesman who was having very little success selling milkshake machines from, you know, from burger bar to burger bar. He was just really struggling. Then he came across these two brothers called the McDonald's brothers, who had this one little burger place one that's all they had and he was just blown away by it and he could see how this could be replicated and this could go global so he kind of via underhand tactics took the brand from under those two and just made it the beast that it is now however there's one scene before he met the brothers when he's kind of really struggling to sell milkshake machines he's in his motel room after a terrible day of no sales and he's playing a He's playing a self-help, personal development, self-help vinyl about, you know, how you have to be persistent, how you have to be tenacious. There's one line that really gave me chills, and that was a critical turning point for me. There's one line in that personal development vinyl when it says, there is no greater cliche on this earth than wasted talent. If you think talent is enough to take you over the edge to success, you're very much mistaken. There is no greater cliche than undiscovered talent. The only thing that's going to get you over the edge is tenacity and, and actually pushing forward right and i heard that and i was like oh god because i i have challenges like all creators and i feel i'm not at the place i wish to be right yeah. i have the same challenges as everybody else then i heard that scene and i was like have you done enough though to get there and then i realized that often and this is every most creators will relate to this where often feel oh i've been talking about this too much now i've been promoting this i've been tweeting about this too much it's maybe time to stop and i made a commitment two months before 61 hugs came out that i was going to do everything i could conceivably do to give it as much oxygen and make it be accessible to as many people as it's humanly a possible technique um and the odds for every for every no or for every yes, there are 50 no's, yes. basically. Mm. And you kind of go with a ratio like that. So that keeps you going. Well, I've only got 25 no's. <laughs> I've got mm. 25 more to go. I can't let this, you know, get down. It doesn't work specifically like sure. that, but pretty much like that. Yeah. And the consistency, that's why they get pushy, 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 pushy until you say, um, I used to be in sales and I had someone say, uh, sell, selling an, an extended warranty, and, and they finally said, "Well, you know what? I'm only I'm not going to get this because I believe in it. I'm only going to get that to get. I can't believe I'm telling you this on the podcast, probably. <laughs> I'm only going to get this to get you to shut up. <laughs> what this warranty? This warranty, yeah. Okay. And it was on something they purchased when I did sales, and I was pushing for this. You got to extend your warranty. You really should. You really should. Oh, and got blah, it. blah 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 blah. And I wouldn't stop. What? Why, why were you hesitant about telling me that? Because it's like, you know, the guy basically say, I'll, I'm just going to get it to get you to shut up because, you know, I, think I just that's get going on. We all know you enjoy your talk. <laughs> I think that's very you. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised you only had that once, to be but honest. you know, he bought it and he never returned it either. Sure, sure. Go Susie. <laughs> so, High five. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you only had that once, frankly. Um, we know you love to talk, as do I. Um, but... Yeah, it really, really moved me, that scene when he said there's no greater cliche than wasted talent. And I just thought to myself, are you really going to do what you've done every time before? I mean, a lot of my projects before 61 Hugs have done reasonably well. You know, I've been featured in Red Bull, BBC, Huffington Post. So, like, press placements isn't new to me, but Mm. an international audience very much is, right? So I thought... And it's not for ego purposes. It's, It's for two reasons that I was committed to giving it as much oxygen as possible. One, because I knew it would it would give people a sense of joy, right? It would just move people in a way that would be nice to share on a first... But equally, as a creator, as a creator, I know that there's nothing to be lost from growing my profile in inverted commas. And that's not going to happen if I'm feeling icky about sharing. I don't know if you want me to share the, the, the anecdote about my friend recently sending me that WhatsApp message that you and I spoke about yesterday, but I think, you know, CK, it's time to move on. <laughs> that one. 
I don't know. It's up to you. I think it's I think it's really important because it's the kind it. of thing that I would want to hear. Yeah, like, do it. like seven months ago. Go on. Because I know it applies to so many creators. And my friend, best friend, by the way, so people will find it surprising that a best friend said this to me, but he came, it came from a place of heart in his defense. He sent me a WhatsApp message maybe eight days ago saying, CK, by the way, out of interest, um, when are you going to stop flogging the 61 Hugs horse and move on to the next thing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... And, and, and I had two thoughts when he said that. The first one was, okay, f- uh, fine, I appreciate that. And I know that not only you think that, I know for, I'm acutely aware that other people that follow me online, Instagram, Twitter, will be thinking similar things. Not all of them, but some, it makes sense, yeah. right? Um, but equally, I also thought, I actually feel that a little bit as well. As an artist, I think it's natural, but I'm actually quite proud that I'm only starting to feel that now, seven months in, because I'd have probably felt it maybe a month in, once upon a time. But mm-hmm. my thing, and this is what I said to my friend is, look, bud, this is the thing. There's 8 billion people on planet Earth, right? If we were to look at the number of people that know about 61 Hugs right now, it'd be 0.0000000 recurring 2% yeah. of the global population. And I owe it to that. I owe it to the p- commitment I made myself two months before. I owe it to the people who feel something every time they watch it. I owe it to the people that laugh, that cry, that tell their friends. I owe it to myself. And I owe it to all these groups to just keep on going. And I'm fine. And I respect that people are thinking, oh, God, really, but I can't really like that, let that get in my way because I know a lot of my friends who are creators, who are artists, do let it get in their way. And it's a shame because I know that they feel like they're not developing traction, but that's why, because they're getting in their own way. And my only hope to all the artists, because bear in mind, Susie, like I'm a pro photographer, so I've photographed God knows how many singer-songwriters in my time, like mm-hmm. to, for, for their official promotional imagery, right? Yeah. And I've become friends with so many of them. And I... It, it hurts my heart when I know some of the talent that is remarkable that will never get seen because I know that I can just tell that they're probably never going to do that thing where they get out of their own way enough for it to happen. I mean, I, there's three artists in my head right now that I can see them very clearly. I'm not going to say who they are, Sorry. but I know who they are. And I know that they're remarkable. They're remarkable talents, but there's something in them that feels icky and uncomfortable with the pushing your art stuff. Yeah, Making it, they love pushing it and promoting it and sharing it, they really struggle, as do I still, by and, the way. And most people are raised to not be pushy. It, mm. It's just impolite to be pushy. You know, uh, I, I want that candy. Can I please have that candy? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. But also I can, you know, uh, with someone who knows you, right, mm. or someone who already knows about 61 Hugs, it's like, oh, there's 61 Hugs again, but... For all the people around them, all the other billions of people, right? That one time that you did it again is their first time encountering it, and that's why it's you got to keep it going. I, talk, I, I, and that is exactly the rationale I have, and I can't stress enough how much sympathy and respect I have for what he said because mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of truth in it, and I have the benefit of. I mean, I, you know, I have three fully formed ideas in my head right now that I could do tomorrow. Like I was in a, I was in a luxurious position throughout this whole 61 hugs journey that I've never had to be scrambling around for the follow up. Oh my God. Wow. Suddenly all these people love this. What the hell next? I've known what the next thing is for months. I knew what the next thing was before I even put 61 hugs out is because as I said, I have three fully formed ideas in my head at any given time, which is a blessing and a curse because it's really noisy in my head. Three is the good number. (laughs) Really noisy. Three is the magic number. Um, But the thing is I have uh, the very next one is going to be called The Train, which is set on the London Underground. And that will probably be filmed in June, maybe, May or June. <laughs> Sounded like June. <laughs> yeah, yeah, May or June. And that will come out hopefully around September time. But that there's that is so relaxing. It takes a pressure off knowing that it's good to go. And it is. But, you know. Uh, That's, that is awesome. That's it's, almost like I'm, I'm cooking chicken and I've, I've got the biscuits in the oven. <laughs> and I love it. I love a good biscuit analogy. Right? Um, <laughs> and the tea in the kettle. This is me. I'm all about the tea. So my, I, I, if anyone, if any artist or creator takes anything away from our chat, I just want it to be that I haven't done anything spectacular with 61 Hugs other than getting out of my own way. Right? That's literally all I've done. In, in order to generate this kind of awareness yeah. and traction. All I've done is everything I've done before, but 
this time I've added the business of getting out of my own way and not feeling icky. And by the way, I do still feel icky. So like seven months and I'm still posting and I do feel icky. But yeah. I know that there's a bigger there's a bigger picture beyond my ickiness. And if you just cling on to that, you'll be fine. Social media makes you do that though, because things go away so fast. Yeah. You know, and I mean, even in the news today, right? There's an event that happens today. Three days from now, it's forgotten. It's on to the next one. So you have to keep bringing it back if you want want it to have traction. You know, somebody who saw maybe one thing. Um, now, I can't say my case was that because you reached out to me. But if I would have seen the 61 Hugs Twitter thing, right, uh, I would have had to see it probably at least seven times come up in my feed before I would say, now, what's up with that? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Right. Um, and and I, I would like to think that I'm not that much stranger than, than other people, you know, when it comes to that. When you see something, and it doesn't have to be in the same day. I mean, that's actually overkill where you mute somebody. <laughs> but to have it come up, uh, you know, a number of times throughout a week or something, you're going, I, w- I want to know what that is. You know, I'm curious about it. That's why the content... You know, what you do with your content. Um, you don't just put the text out there. You don't just put a link there. What do you I do? You actually do screen captures of your reviews and things like that. Uh, and so that, that's the eye candy part, which makes people stop to check that out. You know, which I think is pretty smart. You're, so you're talking about what I would characterize as garnish now. I call that garnish. And, garnish. you know, it's, yeah, like, you know, like the, the, the marketing bits which make stuff at least look. I, you know, I, I, there's nothing about what I've done that I want to keep a secret. If anybody's listening to this now and thinks, I'd like to reach out to CK and ask him what I can do about this film, if you don't reach out to me, I'll be very annoyed, right? Because right. I want to share this with everybody. And I've not done anything spectacular. Or, or, you know, really, I was very aware that online at least make it look like it has... Uh, how can I put this? At least make it look like it has... Make, it doesn't have a distributor behind it. It doesn't have an ad agency behind it. It doesn't have a marketing agency behind it. It doesn't have budget behind it. It has nothing apart from me and my MacBook. But make it look like it has all of the above. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's what comes down to... That's what comes down to making the... You know, how many independent creators do you know that make their own GIFs? So, do you know what I mean? Right. How I've done that with 61. Yep. I've made, like, GIFs and stuff, which you can do in seconds using Giphy, for God's sake. Um, so I'm thinking, how can I set this apart that it just doesn't look like your standard independent... By the way, I'm incredibly proud of it being a standard independent short film that has no budget. That's what I love about it. Yeah. But I know that for influential people who might want to talk about it, they don't care. No. They want something that looks slightly more meaty, right? To a point. Uh, at least, to at least, as you just said, catch their eye. Exactly. At the very least, yep. right? You know, a, a, amongst the busy feed. Stop the finger from going. Correct. You know? That's yeah. why if you look at all my feeds, they're hideously obnoxious. Like they look great, but they're flashy, right? They're yeah. flashy. There's lots of stuff going on in them. Yep. So that in a, in a busy feed, at least it will jump out at someone. So yep. just give yourself the best chance. That's yeah. all I do. Just give it's myself true. the best chance. So what you're saying, make, what you're saying makes absolute truth. But you also said something yesterday, which was beautiful as well. And that was my friend who said, CK, move on. That could be coming from a good place of someone that's just discovered you and can't wait for the next thing. Exactly. That's what you, do you want to share that again while I set up my phone? So basically, <laughs> well, basically you have fans. So if you think about musical bands, I can't believe I said musical bands. Bands, right? You know, your your music artists and all that. Like, you know, your your just name your favorite band. Um, Jezebels of Australia. But that's, there you go. That, that's so just the you 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 come across them. You love their songs, and you've been playing them, and you play them, and you play them, and you love that sound. So now you want to know when's the next album? When's the next song coming out? I want to hear something new from these guys. I know I like them already. I want to hear something new. And yes, I, I, I agree. And this, this is the thing because I'm exactly the same, Susie. I discover a band, a creator, a writer online, and all of a sudden I'm gouging on their backs. I'm gouging out on their previous productions. In the, in the music analogy, I'm gouging on all their previous albums yeah. that preceded the one I now love. Right. Or in the case of an artist, I'm just going through their YouTube channel and I'm gouging out on that. And that's happened with me. I feel so grateful that 
people that have discovered 61 have retrospectively gone back and said, oh my God, I just watched that video two years ago. Blah, 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 blah. So I, I wholeheartedly agree that I, I that people will be asking that not from a place of malice or a place of enough already. There'll be some of that, but mostly it's because they're excited about the next thing because I felt such an affinity for 61, right? So they're yeah. excited about the next thing. And all I would say is I promise you won't be disappointed. <laughs> just trust me. <laughs> well, I could me. see even the people in our film festival that you met. Let's talk just, just five minutes about the, the film festival because I know that we're going we're, we're gonna to lose our time. Sure. But the people in our film festival, they saw your film. They know you now. A lot of them connected with you on social media and things like that that weren't before. Me too. <laughs> and now it's like they're going to be looking at your feed. They're going to be looking for your plugins and they're going to go, what's coming up for what's coming up next? Right. And so speak a little bit about, you know, what the film festival was like for you, because I know everybody has a different perception before they get there when they've never yeah. been there. before. And even, even if they've been there before, it's always new. It was, it was, it exceeded my expectations and I put it together for God's sake, Absolutely. you know, so yeah. what were your, what were your thoughts or perceptions or experience okay. or whatever? Two things. So first of all, the International Mobile Film Festival took place in a remarkable location, <laughs> Marina Village. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was it was just perfect for me. It was just, it was just something about walking around that little complex, so many trees. And it was just like a little, it was like, a, it was like an actual residential village, but it yeah. wasn't, it was a commercial village. There's office spaces. You, you book out the rooms for whatever functions. It's set up for photographs really. Right. Because okay. it, some people get married there and things like yeah, that. Correct. So there was at least yeah. four during, was at least yeah. four weddings <laughs> during the two days. And there's the marina, of course, with yachts, boats. So the yeah. venue, I was like, wow, it feels like I'm home. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why, because there's none of that in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel I think maybe spiritual home so the, the location was spectacular but then on the Friday the the gathering of all the filmmakers when we just hung out and had some drinks and and got to know each other yeah. that was a master stroke and I know that's not the first time you've done it Susie that's your tradition this is right? my third my third time oh okay yeah it's a great idea and it's wonderful because it means we actually enter the film festival feeling like we've got buds right like we've got friends That's the and, whole point. and we know a little yeah. bit about each other's um, backstory and, and now story and film yeah. and all that business and so much. It's just, it's, it's a masterstroke. It's really, it really is. And I, I, you won't mind me saying that most of us forgot it was actually happening. I know I did. I forgot the Friday was happening. So you, you tweeted me a DM. So you can see tomorrow. Um, uh. <laughs> Well, and that, and that, and and that's my thing too. It, it's like you know, we're having a, a get together where people are gonna. That's why it's called meet and greet. Yeah. Um, but the the whole purpose behind that is that is that people are connected. So when you go to the film festival for those two days, because it's only two days, it's that weekend. You all that time gap of people having to get to know each other and connecting, uh, especially during programs and things like that. This is the meet and greet is where people really connect, you know, and then that just, you know, during the festival mm -hmm. is like continues through and suddenly yeah. and, and you know, this look, this is the thing. And if even if I use my example, if, um, you'll you'll be able to speak to this as well. But this is just what I observed. By the time it came to Sunday afternoon, my film was screened at 3 p.m. It was almost like. I felt a lot of effect, weirdly, like for the two days, like I felt like I was getting on with people, people getting on with me, people liked me, I liked people. So I felt like we just bonded. So yeah. all of a sudden, it's like people are invested in 61 Hogs, even though I've got no idea what this damn thing is. And this is how I felt about Madhouse, yeah. for example. I was invested in Madhouse. Same with Steve's film. Yeah. So like because all of a sudden these people have kind of grown to think, oh, CK's not a jerk from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> CK's cool. Because I'm always inviting jerks from the UK. <laughs> It's, it's, it's... Yeah, you have that personal connection in mm. that. And um, just so you know, I did send out, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I do send out emails regularly to the filmmakers that are coming and things like that. And I tell them, I remind them, this is not your typical film festival. This isn't the film festival where you come for the screening and then you leave and then you come back for the awards. It, it's not about that. It's about the connecting and making friends and relationships and things like that. And you're... Just don't plan to leave because you're going to figure out you don't want to. Yeah. You know, and there were some people that were saying, well, we're going to leave anyways, and they never left. 
<laughs> oh. You know, because they wanted to be, what, what, they that's where le- they wanted to be. And they were going to leave when? After their screen had filmed? Yeah. After their film was screened? Yeah, they did, oh, did, right. did okay. you know, the everything else was like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But they stayed. Why? Because there was that human factor. That's interesting. You know? I'm, I found it interesting that they even told you, well, I understand why I respect that, but I'm leaving anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> they did, because they were saying, you know, we've never been outside of wherever they live or... Oh, and I want to see the place. I want to see San Diego. I've only got a weekend there and I want to go to the zoo. I want to go here and I want to go there. that's interesting. Yeah. And that happens. And that makes a Mm. lot of sense, you Mm. know. Mm. Um, But, you know, they stayed. They stayed. They didn't have to go far anyways. And there was a lot of, like you said, a lot of beauty around them. Mm. Mm. That really helped. And, yeah, yeah, so, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I just... It was this weird thing whereby, I don't know, maybe, you know, when I saw Kim and Ross go up to collect their winning feature award, it was, I just felt this weird sense of pride. Right? It was odd. It was like family, the like people family. people I've known for like just under 48 hours. Uh, the Ukraine family when, because um, they give all the filmmakers um, certificates, mm. you know, of appreciation. Mm. And the little girl from the Ukraine family, she was jumping up and down because her father got to go up there and get something and speak. And she was, like, jumping up and down for him when he was coming back. I saw her. Mm. And it was so touching. She was like, you're the winner. You won. You know, I mean, she was so excited for him. Yes. You know, and I... That moment for me meant a lot because I I don't want people to feel like if you don't win, you lose. Mm -hmm. That's so negative. It's like everybody comes out with something. Sure. You know, so feeling appreciated. I, um, we're going to have to call it a go. Would you do me a favor and, and, uh, and give a shout out to our sponsors? Oh, of course I will. Why would you like me to do that? Because I can't do the, uh, they're each right over here. You can't do what? I can't do the English accent like you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, listen. On, I so, would like to thank the following brands and partners sponsors. and sponsors for supporting the 10th, right? The 10th, the 10th year, 10th. but the 8th edition. I've been wanting to ask you the difference, actually. Oh, well, I don't then I should, to... I should go ahead and Please tell do. everybody. So it's 10 years since I launched it. Oh, with the first two years online? Right. Got it. Well, no, no. The first two years, no one even... Hardly anyone submitted oh. because it was like an idea. And so now you have to get people to believe it enough to invest in making films on their phone. So does that mean the first two years, although you were, you I were was pushing you, it, no, no yeah, film I, festival manifested due to the lack of submissions? Yeah. And okay. also venue. OK. You know, it was hard to find a venue when you're non-established. Well, I mean, in, yeah. with that in mind, then, congratulations for <laughs> if we go back to the vinyl tenacity. Yeah. It's like most, oh, you know, yeah. two years, most people have called it a day. Yeah, if you if, if you would, and sometimes I'll say that on my social media. For those of you who remember when I first started mm. this, and they're like, yeah, you just never stop. It was always, <laughs> it was like, is she ever going to give up on this? No. When's the next she's thing? Still going. Jesus. And there are people that say, we we watch. We, we're seeing what you, you know, they'll message me randomly and say that. That's yeah. interesting. Right. It is. It's kind of scary, though. It's wow. like, what do you mean? You're stalking me. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> So on behalf of the International Mobile Film Festival, I would like to thank the sponsors whom were Red Giant. I mean, this is why I'm going to have to make everything huge because I've got terrible eyesight. Also, Swords and Circuitry. Circuitry Studios. Swords and Circuitry Studios. That was Neil and Jaina Hofford. I would also like to thank the Indiana Filmmakers Network. IFN, for those of you who enjoy an acronym. <laughs> that was Nathan. Nathan who Bechtold. I feel it, w- Say that name again. Bechtold. I think I'd be remiss to not mention Nathan. You were an absolute superstar that day. I, honestly, your engagement during the Q&As was joyous. Thank you on behalf of all the filmmakers. Black Box Global. Yes. The Whole H Show. Podcast. It is a podcast, which I had the absolute joy of being on recently. Thank you, Aaron. Film Convert. Yes, they do color grading and grain. Star Wars Steampunk Universe. That was Dude Vader, Hot Nerd Girl, and the gang. That was one crazy-ass <laughs> red carpet. 
that was the best red carpet ever. Just stay tuned, everybody. Have you got footage coming? You have right? footage coming? Oh, yeah. Of well, course. Aaron. Aaron mm. was there with his selfie stick. Much yes, he like, was. You know, we have yeah. some great footage of that red carpet. So thank you to Star Wars, Steampunk Universe, and finally, but in no ways, leastly, Grip and Shoot. Yep. Thank you. And I also want to go ahead and give a big thank you to everybody that came, uh, including judges and um, some of the sponsors that showed up. And our new uh, partner at Free Vision Tech with the gimbals. Um, I think that's it, huh? Can I give a 30-second challenge to creators out there? Yes, I would love you to do that. This is what I'd like all creators that have listened to this to do. This is something I learned. Those of you who feel icky, and okay, I know for a fact someone is listening to this and is now thinking... Yeah, actually, recently, possibly this week, I was going to post something and I thought, no, I've done this too much. I know for a fact someone's listening to this right now and is thinking, yeah, that I've done that this week. I was going to post on Twitter, but I thought, no, I I've done it too much. This is what I want you to do. I want you to spend the next seven days tackling that, no, I can't, it's too much. Just spend seven days doing it. That, it, that might even be one tweet a day. It could be two tweets, whatever. Just kind of get to that point when it feels like you've done too much and just send it anyway. Do it for seven days solid and then tell me how it feels after seven days, is it now easier? Because that's what happened to me. I had to push through this barrier and it was really hard. Then it just actually got easier. I didn't care because I started to see traction. I started to see people discovering it and watching it and writing about it in their blog or in their news, but whatever. And that was, I would have never discovered that had I not got gone through that icky period. So anybody listening to this, I want you to spend seven days. It has to be seven days back to back though. Otherwise you'll, you'll kind of not feel the benefit, but tell me if it gets easier. And that can be on anything. It can be on Twitter, it can be on Facebook, it can be on Instagram, wherever you feel most comfortable. Just talk about your art for seven days solid. Or all three or four or whatever. I mean, I did. (laughs) I did. Yeah. (laughs) I may take you up on that challenge myself. Mm. I I just want all creators to just create art and then Because nobody else is going to do it. There you go. It's not like a company where you have a whole team doing it for you. And you can say, oh, those guys, you know. Exactly. When you go to dinner with your friends, well, Fred, you're always pushing your vacuum cleaners or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, it's the, you know, it's mm. those marketing guys. Mm. But for creators, it's them. I, I would love to have a machine behind me that would just enable me to focus on the creation, right? I would too, but it would take the, yeah, it would take your personal self out of that. It, 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 it would to a point, but what I mean yeah. is I would still be doing that, but if yeah. I could maybe have support and assistance. I know what you mean, though. I, I <laughs> yeah. would delight in having a machine behind me but right now and it's a shame we've not had an opportunity to talk about what i love talking about with you yesterday which was um um screwing up in in private we'll maybe right. that's one because that was so critical but we can do that another time but you know while i'm an independent creator with no machine behind me as you just said who else is going to do it yeah it's true thank you thank you it was an absolute joy see goodbye everybody <laughs> i'm gonna go and eat tacos <laughs> that's right we're going to old town <laughs> See you guys.